Pastor Xavier Reese uses Paul the Apostle as an example for a believer walking the talk. The place that Paul was in was not the most comfortable. Cold, damp, rat-infested, a mammoth prison there in Rome. And yet, he calls himself a partner in ministry with Philemon in verse 17, but still in the service of Jesus, a prisoner, doing the work of God. He modeled out in his life what he was appealing to Philemon to do. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Finding common ground is always a good place to start when resolving a conflict. And in the case of the Apostle Paul appealing to a Christian friend Philemon to forgive the wrongdoing of their mutual friend and new brother in the Lord Onesimus, that common ground was the forgiveness in Christ that all believers share. Pastor Xavier continues now our verse-by-verse study of this brief but powerful New Testament book of Philemon, highlighting verses 8 through 11 today. Let's listen. Paul has um, opened up his letter to Philemon with a loving greeting and praise for his love witness of his faith and love towards God, which was made evident by bringing its great benefit to the saints also. You see, the Bible says, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. (laughs) Paul the Apostle now begins to make his intercession for Onesimus here by pleading humbly with Philemon. Verses 8 to 14 is one complete sentence. We're going to look at verse 8 through 11, the first part. Uh, The perspective of Paul regarding his plea to Philemon here is given to us and it's characterized by three things. Let me read here, verse 8 through 11. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such as one as Paul the aged. And now also, prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. The perspective of Paul regarding this plea to Philemon here is characterized by three things. First, verse 8 and 9, the apostle Paul refused to use personal authority. Secondly, verse 10, the Apostle Paul requested sensing personal responsibility for Onesimus. And then in verse 11, the Apostle Paul related his personal perspective. Kind of a different twist towards Philemon now, since he doesn't have all the picture. It's always good to hear both sides, always. Let's begin here with the Apostle Paul refused to use personal authority here in his intercession for Onesimus. Notice um, Paul made his appeal to Philemon based on Philemon's love reputation that he has just finished praising him for. The word therefore, he says, though I might be more bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. That word, therefore, relates back to what he has just spoken about from verse 4 to 7. On account of that I know that you're a very gracious and loving person, that you have such an incredible reputation, 
On this basis, I am making my appeal to an extent. So he's really kind of, you know, you might, in the world, they say, you've set me up. <laughs> but Paul isn't doing that. He's just taking this man for who he is, and knowing who he is, he reminds him, and he's going to direct it also that Christ in him is the hope of glory. That's what makes him impossible. In view of that Philemon's faith and love for the Lord Jesus was genuine and consistent. In view that Philemon's faith and love was extended in a practical way to the saint. And all saints, we were told, in view that Philemon thoroughly understood that it was Christ in him who was doing all these things. Then the apostle Paul here told Philemon that he could use his apostolic authority to command him. But he's not going to do that. He's going to fall, first of all, back on his character. That is always the best way. Paul did not want to use his spiritual authority over Philemon, though I might be very bold in Christ. And the word bolder means uh, uh, freedom in speaking, frankly, and unreserved. Originally, it was used in politics, the democratic right of Greek citizens to speak forth their mind. That's the word. Peter used the same word in the day of Pentecost, if you remember, in Acts 2.29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you for the patriarch David that is both dead and buried and his tomb is here with us this day. Let me speak freely, frankly. This is the same word. Now, notice Paul did not want to order Philemon to obey, to command you what is fitting. There's always a temptation when you have authority to want to exercise it. And though you have to exercise it, the way you exercise it, I think, has a lot to do how it's received. We've all experienced people who are in a position of authority and they really don't deserve it, and they run with it. And it, it, it really backfires on them. The word command means to charge. It's a word that is used in Luke 4.36 to cast out a demon. Command them, having authority and power over them. Notice the apostle Paul told Philemon he wanted him to do what was right. The word fitting means what is proper, appropriate as a Christian. This is the dialogue. Paul to Philemon. Christians. In fact, the word is used for the role of the wife in her submission to her husband in Colossians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Colossians 3.18. What is appropriate? What is right? The apostle knew that a man commanded to do something was not necessarily a man persuaded or in agreement. You can command somebody to do something, and they may do it. It doesn't mean they're, they're for you <laughs> or they're compliant. By Roman law, Paul was in possession of property that belonged to another man. By law, Paul was to turn Onesimus in as a runaway slave. By law, as you know, slaves were branded with an F on their forehead. They were put 
the doubly hard labor if they were allowed to live. They were mere channels. Vero classified slaves as implements, and a master could do anything to them, torture them, mutilate them, crucify them, put them to death. A Christian living in the world. You've got human government. You've got your biblical mandate. Intention. Look at verse 9. Paul made his appeal to Philemon for the sake of love then. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such as one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The apostle was basing his appeal to Philemon instead on what he was known for, as we said. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Not only has he been a witness of this, but for the, he's just appealing for love's sake, for Christian love. Even if Philemon had not demonstrated this, if he's a Christian, Paul would have all the right to plead under the case of love. You understand? No one's exempt from that. For all of us have been recipients of this love. None of us could be a Christian without it. For God so loved the world. We accepted the invitation of love. It was so convenient, so beneficial for me to have God forgive me of all my sins. But I'm not quite as happy about him forgiving you. That's a whole different matter, isn't it? Hmm. The apostles' appeal, parakaleo, means to call to one side. You find it here in verse 10. The word has the idea of begging or beseeching with the greatest of humility and respect. In fact, it is the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. The one who comes alongside. The nature of this love was divine, agape. The very heart and motive of God for the forgiveness and rescuing of all sinners. This is two Christians talking. If they're on the same wavelength, if they know the word of God, then they're both subject to the word of God. You understand? There, there's no personal opinion. This is where people today get in trouble. This love was not mere human compatibility or of personalities or temperaments. It wasn't positive energy. This was not love based on emotions alone. Yet the situation was very emotional, as we'll see. Now notice the apostle in verse 9 accompanied his appeal with their long-term relationship, being such as one as Paul the aged. Paul and Philemon had known each other for many years. We don't know exactly how many, but if in fact Philemon was converted under the ministry at Ephesus through the ministry of Paul, then he had experienced many things with Paul and was familiar with that. Some of them might have been the initial starting of the church there as Paul, after a second missionary journey, left uh, Priscilla and Aquila there to continue the study, and then he moved on. 
And then he returned back, and the difficulties of, of starting the study at the synagogue, and the Jews kept, you know, opposing things. And so then they went to the school of Tyrannus. Uh, the conversion of many with great opposition. A lot of the cultic uh, practices uh, were affected. Uh, books of magic, everything were burned, and people were turning away from Dianas. Um, as you know, that's what caused the riot and almost killed Paul, and, uh, and he left there. Um, an effectual door had been opened to him. There are many adversaries, Paul says. <laughs> we wouldn't describe that like that today. But if God's working, there's always going to be opposition. Satan doesn't like the light. The last words of Paul to the Ephesian elders was that they would never see his face again. So they had some history together. Now the reference to such a one as Paul the age reinforces their long-standing friendship, probably Paul being in his 60s, somewhere in there. The word age simply means an old man in the reference to years. Again, bringing to mind, particularly the mind of Philemon, his affection, his longing, his openness of heart. Your heart goes out both to children and older people, those you've walked with for a long time those who have been in the trenches with you, those who have been an example of Christ. In fact, this word is used two other times in this form with the same meaning. The word there is presbyteus. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and the older men in Titus 2.2. The other passage is Luke 1.18. And so some have attempted to translate this word ambassador, and some of your translations maybe do so. But the word is different from this one in the text, presbutes. The word for ambassador is presbuo. And if it is Ambassador, why isn't that word used? And if the word ambassador is used, then it kind of contradicts what Paul just said. I'm not going to use my authority. He's using love, and he reminds them now that he's an aged man. You understand? So many of the opinions of some commentators can be cleared up if you look at the context. If we go with ambassador, it would contradict what he has just said. You do your homework, then you go to a commentary, and now you're qualified to judge the commentary. You don't do your homework, you just swallow hook, line, and sinker what the commentary says. <laughs> Good inductive Bible study. First you crack the text. By the time you get to the commentary, now you say, okay, let's see how smart these guys are. Notice the apostle reinforces his approval by his current cost for the sake of loving Christ. And now I also, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The place that Paul was in was not the most comfortable. Cold, damp, probably rat-infested, a mammertine prison there in Rome. And yet, he calls himself a partner in ministry with Philemon in verse 17. <laughs> As you know, he wrote to the Philippians, and what did he say? 
I'm here by assignment. Don't get all bummed out. Some are preaching, hoping that affliction to me. Others are being encouraged and they're preaching Christ. What do I care as long as Christ is preaching? By the way, the Praetorium Guard says hi. They've accepted Christ, some of them. I'm here by appointment. How interesting. <laughs> Paul is old, but still in the service of Jesus, a prisoner, doing the work of God. As he wrote the epistles to fight false doctrine and instructing the believer, Colossians, Ephesians, he's writing Philemon, letting her write Philippians, the prison epistles. In fact, Paul tells Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, 17, that he bore the marks of Christ on his body. He modeled out in his life what he was appealing to Philemon to do. And it's always great. If I'm going to ask somebody to do something, have I done it? Would I be willing to do it? Very important. It's been put this way. Love is not blind. It sees more, not less. But because it sees more, it is willing to see less. Realizing what God has done for us, then we, we see ourselves as debtors to others. That doesn't mean that we ignore what goes on. That doesn't mean that we aren't aware of what's happened. But we look at the genuineness of a life, and if it is genuine in Christ, then it's past, as we're going to see. Very important. It is a comfort to know Christian people who are um, mature servants based on their proven character through time that you can call on. And you know they will step in the gap when there is a need for someone to help you and your family. You know you can count on them. When there's an illness and practical needs are needed, they probably will be there before you even have to ask. When a mate has been unfaithful, and godly mature counsel is given to seek God, not to do anything rashly, just to wait upon God's direction, rather than encourage them to divorce right away. Or if the person wants to, that, that godly counsel will say, you wait on God. Take it a step at a time. When you have to ask a believer to deny himself, or herself and obey the Lord despite the cost because you know they're people of character hmm. it is refreshing to see older Christians never attempting to ask other Christians as I said to do something they have never done themselves or would be willing to do but only what they themselves have done knowing the power of God to forgive someone who has hurt them tremendously, particularly when there is true repentance. I forgive even when there isn't true repentance to release that person because if I don't, unforgiveness hurts me. But that, I'm, I'm not deceived thinking that we're reconciled. I do my part. I still know the offense is there. I don't hold a grudge against you. I release you to the Lord 
so that I'm not embittered, I'm not hurting myself. But when there's repentance and you come to me, then there's full, complete reconciliation because of the forgiveness. I say, I forgive you, and you receive that forgiveness. You understand? Too many people want to practice sloppy agape. You're just to forgive, and they don't even recognize what they've done. God requires me to repent to be right with him. God requires you and me to repent to be right with each other. You understand? For me to go to you and say, you know, I'm sorry. I called you a jerk. You know, I shouldn't have talked about you. The, the guys were right. They were true what I was saying. Please forgive me. Hey, I forgive you. It's done. Gone. Never mention again. Let's move on. Do not respond in the flesh, but in the spirit. To do whatever the word of God commands as a Christian for the glory of God. That's what church is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. That we can count on one another for that. Not just when things are going right. Christians are sort of like kind of like going out on dates. You know? You're just around just once in a while and all in the good times. But if you're in the trenches, you're going to find out what you're made of. <laughs> but if you only come in on Sunday and on Thursday and you're not involved with other people, then, then it's like a dating, dating somebody. You know, you know, oh, it's great. But then you marry them. Then, whoa. Well, that's what Christianity is about. It's like marriage. Too many people's Christianity is like dating. It's fake. It's not reality. The Apostle Paul refused to use personal authority to make Philemon compliant for Onesimus, but appeal for the sake of love. That was his appeal. Secondly, notice in verse 10, the Apostle Paul requests a sensing personal responsibility for Onesimus. The apostles' appeal to Philemon, again, is out of love. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. It's a love relationship between these two men. Out of the principle of love, now a love relationship. The apostle uses the personal pronoun I to identify himself as the father of Onesimus. A father's natural instinct is to care for his son, as you know willing to protect, to defend, to do all that he can and has to, even to lay down his life for his son. The pronoun you identifies Philemon. He's the master of Onesimus. He owns Onesimus. He was wronged by Onesimus. He was unaware of the location of Onesimus. And he probably thought Onesimus could not become a Christian only confirming the proverb that Phrygians were unreliable and unfaithful. That was the thought of that day. Even as Titus says about the Cretes, they're liars, they, they are slow bellies and all that. Now, people get caught up today about profiling. <laughs> Don't make judgments. You remember that the, the Scythians are included as those who could be saved. And they used to take their captives, behead them, boil their skulls, skin them, and use them for drinking vessels. Purposely, they are mentioned so that you understand how bad they were. Paul believed in profiling. <laughs> so you can see how great the grace of God is when he saves 
certain people. You understand? Hmm. The Apostle Paul aptly appealing to Philemon the command of Jesus from John 13.35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Paul's Tender Intercession for Onesimus. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Paul's Tender Intercession for Onesimus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 